Chapter 4. It's no castle, but it gets you through the day. That's what Jenner told them as they walked to his house. That's what he called it. A house. When they arrived at their destination, Christian could not think of anything farther from the truth. Well, it was not like Jenner was lying. Maybe it was just his flair for the understatement. It was at least three stories high. Five, he found out later, if you included the two-level basement. He had inherited it from his mother, Letitia. She had decided it was time to move when her husband, Gerard, Jenner's father, died at sea when his merchant ship was attacked by pirates. Now she lived in Amsport, just north of the Milan Empire. They were greeted at the door by Mr. Hornoodle, the butler, who asked that they call him Karensby. Jenner had known him since childhood, and he had been with the family when Jenner's grandparents lived there. Also in attendance was Mrs. Fensworth, the head of the staff. And that's Miss Follett, one of our maids, Miss Fensworth said, spotting Jamie down a hallway, carrying a tea tray. Jamie turned and smiled at them, giving them a friendly wave, which sent the tea tray off kilter, crashing to the floor. Did I mention she's new? Miss Fensworth added with a weak smile. Christian held back a smile, but Erica giggled. Sorry, Mom, Jamie said from out in the hallway. She tripped over a cup as she bent over, trying to put everything back on the tray, landing in the spilt tea. Jamie, come here and say hello to our guests. The tea is going to be late regardless at this point. Yes, Mom, Jamie said, getting up and walking over to meet them. Christian figured she was about his age. After introductions, Jenner told them about the rest of the staff. They learned that there was also a cook, a groundsman, and two other maids. News of the fire at the Rat had already reached the Repulse household, and the relief became apparent when the servants saw their master's return to safety. Jenner excused himself to the atrium, telling Christian and Erica that he had to set his house in order and look into the fire and see what could be done about it. Cairnsby and Mrs. Fensworth followed in tow. The three of them stood there without a noise for a minute, Christian looked at the ground. Miss Follett watched the two of them, but, not saying a word, twirling a finger around her black bangs until Erica broke the silence and asked Miss Follett if they could call her Miss Follett, at which point she said it was fine if they called her Jamie. I prefer it, actually. Only Mrs. Fensworth calls me Miss Follett. Her name's Madeline, but no one calls her that but Jenner and Cairnsby. So how long have you worked here? Christian asked. Almost a month now, though, to be honest, I don't really know what I'm doing, and I dare say I could call it work. I don't know why I'm still here. I've broken more dishes than I can count. Just use wooden dish. Christian was cut off as Erica elbowed him in the ribs. What was that for? For being you, Erica said, putting a polite smile on her face as she looked at Jamie. Jamie led them into a waiting room off to the side telling them how she had needed to find a job because her dad had hurt himself and was out of work, and her mother took care of the house. Jamie's friend Rachel, who had worked for Jenner for a few years, said she could get her a job at the mansion, and that she would love it. Rachel had bugged Jamie to work at the manor before, but Jamie said she did not think she would know how to be a maid. But, with no real skills, she finally came to the house to see if they would still want her.
What she thought would be a boring, tireless job turned out to be the most fun she had ever had. Jenner only ever had a handful of chores for them to do. The rest of the time, they were free to do whatever they wanted. Though they had to listen to Cairnsby and Mrs. Fensworth, and always deferred to them. Cairnsby and Mrs. Fensworth lived with Jenner. The rest of the staff worked during the day or evening and went home the rest of the time. Tonight, everyone stayed late when they heard about the fire at the Rat. Although he was interested in what Jamie had to say, Christian could begin to feel the weight of the evening pressing in on him. His eyelids were droopy, and he felt himself nodding off towards the end of the tale. Jamie led them off to a guest room, and although Jamie said they could each have their own, Christian opted to sleep on the floor in Erica's room. Again, Christian was surprised at the wealth surrounding him. The guest room was far fancier than any room he had ever seen. His parents' own bedroom at home could fit within it, with room to spare. Christian stripped down to his shorts, which caused Jamie and Erica to giggle and snicker. Jamie said she could have his clothes washed if he wanted. Christian was ecstatic at the thought of not having to wash his own clothes for a change. He grabbed a spare blanket and pillow from a chest by the bed and proceeded to crawl under it so that Erica could undress and climb into bed. She pulled the brooch from her pocket and set it on the nightstand, rubbing out a little scuff on the casing. Jamie said the dress did not look like it would be as nice as it was earlier, but offered that either her or Rachel could let her borrow some clothes. After they both settled in, Jamie gave a wobble of a curtsy as she let herself out, telling them to sleep well and that she or Rachel would wake them in the morning. Uh, you know, you can sleep up here in the bed if you want, Erica mumbled, looking up at the ceiling. No, I'm all right. The floor is actually really soft. Right. Good night, Christian, Erica said, looking around the large, unfamiliar place, feeling a shiver run down her spine, then pulling the blankets up over her head. Good night, Erica. When I find the person who did this, I'm going to beat them to within an inch of their life before I have the watch toss them into the deepest, darkest cell they have where they can rot for the rest of their days. Jenner swiped a book off his desk, sending it spinning across the room and into the fireplace, where it caught a light after a few moments. You didn't let me keep anything important on my desk by chance, Cairnsby, Jenner remarked as he paused, watching the book burn. I believe you left the first edition of Gollin's Study of the Omnipotent Man. I believe so, Cairnsby said with a calm expression. Which I replaced after you left with the 145th Almanac, he finished, watching Jenner's eyes go from wide to relieved over the course of the sentence. <sighs> Never lose that sense of humor, Cairnsby, Jenner said, breaking into a smile. But no, seriously, why would anyone want to burn down my theater? Jenner threw himself back into his favorite chair, propping his feet up, and withdrew his rapier, swishing it around in the air. When nothing more seemed forthcoming, Mr. F Mrs. Fensworth cleared her voice. Yes, Mrs. Fensworth? Well, seeing as how the rat is now a former problem, I was wondering as, as to the two resting in the spare room. Not problems in the slightest, just two orphans who have had far too much bad luck in their lives. Orphans, sir, Cairnsby interrupted. Begging your pardon, but isn't that the lad 
belong to the watch captain? Yes, but unless Mr. Telpins normally sports a sheet of steel from his forehead, which he wasn't when I met him earlier that night, I'd say he's no longer counted among the living. Good gracious, Miss Cairnsby, Miss Fensworth and Cairnsby mouthed, her looking at the floor, Cairnsby shaking his head, looking aghast. And if that was not but the worst of it, when I last saw his mother, she was unconscious and didn't seem to show signs of rousing. I handed her off to Henry at the rack to get to the watch physician, but she didn't seem like she'd make it. After that, I saw the young lady Erica dangling in the air, and... Jenner continued his story, telling his confidence the rest, the trip through the tunnel, and the arrival here. Madeline, would you please send word to the watch that Christian Telpins and his friend Erica are here, safe, and that they will remain here until things are sorted out, and that they are free to send whoever they wish over to talk to us? Of course, sir, she replied, giving a slight bow before excusing herself. There's something else going on here, Jenner continued, after Madeline left. That girl, Erica, or it could be Christian, I don't know, honestly. What exactly do you mean, sir? Cairnsby inquired. When I saw Erica dangling from the balcony, Christian holding on to her, the railing was gone. Well, yes, I would assume she broke it when she fell. No, that's not what I mean, Jenner interrupted. If she had tumbled into it and broke it, that would be one thing, but it literally was not there. I looked up and it was clear to either side of her, like a section had been perfectly removed. Jenner made a chopping motion with his hands, straight up and down to punctuate. There was nothing on the floor, and there weren't even broken beams or rails jutting up from the floor of the balcony. Jenner stood up, pantomiming a little, then drawing it out with chalk, illustrating the smooth parts of the railing that had remained, as if they had been cleft apart by some sword or axe. The only thing I noticed was sawdust, Jenner finished. Perhaps you should ask them yourself then, sir, Cairnsby posed after looking thoughtful, rubbing his chin with his thumb and pointer finger. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, Jenner muttered, lost in thought. I hope it pleases you to know, sir, that I had the foresight to send word to Morvin and Bertrude about the fate of the rat and what we could expect in recompenses if it proved the fire was caused by a malicious party. Jenner nodded, filing it in the back of his head. The burning of the rat, though while sentimental, was in reality of little consequence. He could rebuild it with a little hurt to his own pockets. It would be a slight hit to his wallet to pay his understudies and actors until such a building was found that could act as a replacement for the time being. But he only ever broke even with the business to begin with. The more pressing matter was that of Christian and Erica. Cairnsby, have Gregory go to the watch and explain that he needs to retrieve any valuables from Christian's house, seeing as he's been in close proximity of two places that have been attacked, and his parents' fate is grim. Make sure he takes something from Chris before he leaves here, so that the watch knows he's on the up-and-up. And if they can spare a member of the watch to escort Gregory and show him the way, so much the better. Jenner moved to the fireplace, poking a few logs that were little more than husks, watching the orange embers glow along the edges. Will there be anything else, sir? Yes, send word to Tracy about what happened. Better for me than the Romer mill. Save some worrying. Of course, sir. I'll see it to it after I send Gregory on his way. Thank you, Cairnsby. 
The old butler adjusted the sleeves on his suit, giving a nod of the head to Jenner before letting himself out, closing the door behind him. Jenner returned the poker to its place by the mantel, reaching into his pocket and pulling out some extra tickets to the last show that played at the Royal Airline Theater. What have you gotten me into, Chris? He pondered, looking at the tickets. What have I gotten myself into? It had been the most comfortable floor he had ever had the joy to sleep on. No draft, no rats, and no dirt. At first he had wondered why anyone would put a rug over the entire floor, but found that it was quite comforting, and it was still warm the next morning. These were the thoughts going through Christian's head when he awoke. He was not certain of the time, but saw bright rays of light from the sun playing across the floor. He heard footsteps outside the door, followed by a light knocking, before the door opened. "'Begging your pardon, sir,' the girl said. She was dressed similar to Jamie, with curly shoulder-length brown hair and a slight tan. Christian assumed this was Rachel, as she looked close to Jamie's age, maybe a little older, though he thought she could just it could just be the sun's work on her skin. "'You can call me Christian, or Chris, but please not, sir,' Christian said, sitting up, pulling the blanket up around his shoulders. "'Very well, Christian,' she continued. "'I'm Miss Dulce, and I was wondering if you and the lady would be taking breakfast in the dining hall, or if you'd prefer to have it brought to your room.' Christian looked over to the bed and saw Erica was still sleeping, a ball of comforters and pillows nestle nesting in the center of a mattress. Best make it for here, I think, he decided. When can we get our clothes back? They aren't cleaned as of yet, but you should be able to find something to make do in the closets. Mr. Repulsed always keeps a variety of style and sizes on hand for any occasion, Rachel said, walking over and opening the doors to a few closets. What would you like for breakfast? she asked as she pulled out a few outfits and placed them on a chair for them. You have something other than porridge? Christian said, surprised. With rare occasion, Christian could not remember ever having something else to eat in the morning. <laughs> oh, definitely. There's eggs and bacon and pancakes and waffles and toast and jam and omelets and crepes and sausages and pastries and cutlets. Um, yes, okay. Yes, what? Yes, that sounds good. Which ones? All of them. All of them? Uh, all of them for two, he added. He did not want to impose too much, but this might be his only chance to eat this many different and new foods, and figured he might as well enjoy it while he could. Very well, Christian. I'll bring breakfast up when it's ready, Rachel said as she exited her voice trailing off as she pondered delivering such an undertaking. "'Wait, one other thing,' Christian blurted out. "'Have you heard anything about my parents or about what happened last night?' "'Can't say that I have. I just got in a little bit ago, but I'll be sure to ask Cairnsby or Miss Fensworth if I see them.' "'Oh, well, thank you,' Christian sighed, a little disappointed. After Rachel left, Christian set about the room, looking at the clothes." There were shirts and pants and styles he did not quite recognize, but in the end wound up in mismatched purple pants with a brown shirt, as they were the only two garments that seemed to be a good fit. Then he looked through one of the desks until he came across parchment and ink, 
and began recounting everything he could from the night before. He had gotten to the trip for the city and the theater when he heard Erica stirring. Looking over, she was rubbing her fists in her eyes, blinking, looking about the room. She had a disheveled, confused look on her face until she settled her eyes on Christian, smiling, then looking around the rest of the room. I'm hungry, she said, after finishing her survey of the surroundings. Good morning to you, too, he said, turning back to his story. Aren't you hungry? she inquired. Breakfast is being made as we speak, to be delivered to us here shortly, Christian explained. What are you writing? Erica asked, watching him scribbling line after line for a few minutes. About last night and what happened? Need any help? Not yet, but I might. How far are you? I am still describing the walk there. Why? Nothing happened on the way there. We don't know that. I'm writing down everything I remember seeing. Maybe someone was following us, or there was someone suspicious outside that I do not remember. Do you remember seeing anyone suspicious? Well, no, obviously. That is why I do not remember. But if I write about it, maybe I will remember. Christian rubbed his nose with the end of the feather on the quill, perturbed by Erica's morning inquisitiveness. He changed the subject on her, asking her how she slept and what she thought of the place. She had no trouble going on and on about it, for which his part, all that was required was the occasional, mm-hmm, or head nod. In this way, he was able to get most of the early stuff out of the way, noting their arrival at the rat, meeting the doorman, sitting, etc. His scribbling got smaller as he neared the bottom of the page, wanting to end this particular part of the retelling on a single page. Then he set it aside, taking a new one. So what happened last night? Christian asked, looking to Erica. How should I know? I mean, one minute you were backed against the railing and the next I'm diving after you and you're falling over the edge. I, I really don't know, Erica said, pulling the covers up around her body as she sat up, sitting legs crossed under the blankets. I remember being scared and looking around and seeing the fire creep along the walls and ceiling and wishing I was somewhere else. She put her hands behind her, propping herself up on the bed. And then the next thing I know, I couldn't feel anything and I was falling, she finished, letting her hands slide out to her sides, landing on her back, a slight bounce to the bed. I did not hear you break it, Christian said. I didn't, Erica explained. It's like it just vanished. It could not have just vanished. The only people who could have made it vanish are Majir. And the last time I checked, you're not a Majir. Are you calling me a liar? Erica yelled, sitting up again, looking at Christian. Well, I'm just saying that there should be a sensible explanation is all. And this doesn't make any sense. What made said about my parents dying? She asked, hurt. Not... Nothing, Erica. None of it makes sense. I'm sorry. His voice trailed off. Just then, there was a knock at the door, and he heard Rachel's voice. Breakfast is ready. May we come in? Yes, I'm starving, Erica said, cutting off any forthcoming response from Christian. The door opened, and in walked Rachel, Jamie, 
another maid, and an older man with a deep, dark tan. Rachel and the new maid balanced six trays on their arms while Jamie carried one, both hands gripping it. Christian jumped up, helping with some of the trays, setting them onto the floor. I did not think you would actually make everything, Christian said, surprised. It's quite all right, said a third maid, who they learned was named Melanie Cooks. She had long, curly red hair that fell in spirals down her shoulders and back, a series of ribbons keeping her locks from becoming too unruly. The tan man spoke up and introduced himself as Chief Atzi. This'll be my work, though the girls did their part in preparing it, he said, having a slight Lenise accent. Christian realized he was not tan, just had a lighter skin tone than that of most Lenise. They set the rest of the trays down, thirteen in all. Erica looked like her eyes would fall out of their sockets if her eyelids went any wider. Christian just rubbed his belly and thought how long it had been since his last meal. Enjoy, Otzi said, bowing from the waist, then holding the door for the girls to exit. Um, wait, this is so much food. You should stay and eat with us. It is far too much for just the two of us, Christian said, still feeling bad for asking them to make all of it. The maids looked at one another, then looked at Atsi with a bunch of doe-eyed, quivering lip expressions. He let out a derisive little laugh, throwing his hands in the air. Yes, you ladies eat with them. I'd be fine in the kitchen, he said, crossing his hands. You can stay too, Erica added, but Atsi explained that there was still much he had to do this morning, and that his breakfast was waiting for him in the kitchen. The girls were given leave to stay, but they could not take the whole day off, which they assured they would not. They had to bring the trays back when they were done, which they agreed to. The three of them proceeded to pass out plates and silverware, while Christian took a seat next to a plate full of steaming bacon and sausages. Erica rolled over to the edge of the bed and slid to the floor, taking her blankets with her, falling behind her like a wedding train. The food was excellent the best Christian had ever tasted. The maid seemed just as pleased. There was minor excitement when Jamie knocked a pitcher of syrup over as she reached for a muffin. She looked out as it spilt onto a tray, which they then used to dip pieces of pancakes and waffles into, as not to be a complete loss. They all talked about the strange events that had brought them together, and then talked about themselves. Erica seemed in better spirits, and the jobbelty was such that Christian was almost able to push aside the worries in the back of his head. Almost. So, um, have you heard anything about my parents? Christian asked, over a mouthful of pancakes and butter. No, but Jenner told Atsi that he wanted to see the two of you after breakfast, Jamie said. He went out early this morning and said he'd be back by the time we should be done here. I thought Jenner did not rise while the sun was still up, Christian volunteered, which was met by a chorus of giggles from the maids, to which he shrugged, sipping on some honeyed milk. The rest of the breakfast went on with little fanfare, and the five of them got to know each other a little better. Rachel had worked there the longest. Jenner had hired her when Mrs. Fensworth and Mr. Hornoodle said they would very much appreciate a pair of 
a young pair of hands to help out around the place. Mrs. Fensworth said she thought a younger mind would be a good influence on the household. That had been a little over four years ago, and Rachel had been an usher at the Rat at the time. She'd been trying to break into acting, but had no talent for it. Jenner told her she would have much more respons- she would not have much more responsibilities as a maid, and the pay would be much better than that of an usher. Melanie had joined under rather unusual circumstances. Jenner had caught her sneaking into his study late one night, trying to make off with a few valuables. She had a lot of fight in her, but Jenner was able to find out that she had an older brother named Ian, who had fallen in with Foreign Grant, the reputable but short-tempered head of the Thieves' Guild. A job gone bad had left Ian thrown in the deepest cellars of the Guild, and Melanie a debt of either money or service. So she chose money, which led her into the mansion that night. Having a soft spot for orphans in his heart, he gave Melanie the money after getting her to promise she would work it off in his service. At first, Melanie had rebelled against the idea, until he explained service meant coming on staff as a maid, not the kind of service the guild wanted. She agreed, and Jenner even got Ian out of the guild and out of the city. Six months later, Melanie had paid her dues, but asked to stay on. Jenner said he would not have accepted anything less. Jamie retold her story, but she seemed more interested in enjoying the meal than talking about herself. Even with the maid's help, there was still plenty of leftovers, which they piled up onto one plate. It was going to be sent to the trash, but Christian said that he would eat it later, anything but toss it out. They cleaned up and helped Erica find a dress to wear while Christian went back to writing his events from the night before. Then the maids made the bed, put the extra blankets and pillows away, and let themselves out, saying that one of them would return once they made sure Jenner was ready to see them. And with that, they were gone. What do you suppose he wants to talk to us about? Erica asked Christian when the sound of the girls walking down the hall faded into the background. Everything, Christian started to say. A lot's happened. He probably just wants to find out what happened to his theater or if we saw or know anything. Christian hoped that he would know what had happened to his parents. He had been patient for a while, he felt, but he was beginning to itch with anxiety. After talking for a bit, Christian went over to the desk to pick at the leftovers, while Erica looked through the rest of the outfits in the closets. You know, sometimes I get tired of being right, Jenner said as he took stock of what Gregory had found at Christian's house. When he arrived at the watch, most of the watchmen were more than willing to help out, and Morin ended up accompanying Gregory to the house. When they'd gotten there, they'd found the door open and a number of things out of place. Thomas and Anne's room was wrecked, the bed overturned, and most of the valuables gone. Erica's room was also in disarray. But for neither rhyme nor reason, Christian's room had been untouched. Though it was on the second floor, and maybe the culprits had not wanted to push their luck. They stopped back at the watch after they packed what they could, to find out that this was not the only house to have been vandalized last night. There had been several other break-ins, and they all had one thing in common. They were all houses where people were either hospitalized or dead 
from the fire at the rat. What was left from the robbery was not much. Christian had little of value in his room, other than his crossbow and some books and a bit of spare change. There had been clothes, but nothing worth bringing back. You know, sir, begging your pardon, but it seems mighty strange that the people who started the fire were able to find out so fast who had been in it, Gregory started. Unless they had someone working on the inside, yes, the same thought occurred to me. Jenner finished. Gregory nodded. Do me a favor, Gregory. Jenner said as he walked over to his desk, pulling open a drawer, searching through it until he pulled out a notebook lined with purple velvet. The words Royal Airline Theater could be seen embossed on the cover. Check the list here against the people staying at the shelter. See if anyone's gone missing or decided to pursue another career path. After Gregory left, Morin asked what the watch asked that the watch be kept informed if anything turned up, and Jenner agreed, as long as they did the same. Jenner asked if Morin wanted to talk to Christian and Erica, but he sighed and said not yet, not before they knew. He took his hat in his hands and bid Jenner a farewell, and that he looked forward to seeing him down at the watch with Christian and Erica soon enough. Morin said he would see himself out, and with that, was gone. Jenner sat in his chair, leaning back, tossing his legs over one of the arms, conjuring up a foul mood as he went over in his head what he was about to tell his two guests. For all his stage persona, he was never good at delivering bad news. So when Jamie came calling to see if he was ready to see them, he was no more prepared than when he had first learned the news. Alas, the show must go on he said to no one in particular. But that, the staff had learned, was his general response for, Carry on. And so, twenty minutes and two glasses of wine later, he found Christian and Erica seated before him in his study. Initially, Christian had lit up at the sight of his crossbow, but the other handful of miscellaneous items from his house caused him to grow silent. Well, there's no easy way to say this, so I'll just say it and we'll go from there, shall we? With no immediate response forthcoming, Jenner plowed on before they thought to respond. Chris, your father's dead. Your father died last night, saving your mother, who, as we speak, lays in a coma in a private room at the physician's. Huh? Was all Christian could eke out? He looked at Jenner like he had just sprouted a second head. But, truth be told... At least it was a response. Erica just stared off, a blank expression on her face, eyes unblinking, at the fire in the fireplace. Jenner took a few steps forward and kneeled down next to Christian. I'm sorry. I don't even know how to tell you this any better than I have. I... What is wrong with my mother? He asked, looking at Jenner, his hands fidgeting with the hem of his shirt. It's like a nap she can't wake up from. It's rare, usually from some sort of blow to the head. The physicians don't know if she'll ever wake up. Ever? Jenner nodded. What about a magier? Can they fix her with magic or something? Jenner shook his head, having already had the foresight to ask that question himself, repeating what he had been told. Christian, most magiers can put out a fire or heal a broken limb easy enough, but it's the most rudimentary of things. The number of Majir that dabble in the workings of the human mind are slim to none, 
it, a shot in the dark. And of that number, the one skilled enough to deal with the type of problem your mother is suffering from is... Jenner put his hands out, palms opened and upturned, showing his hands to be empty. Christian just looked at him. I wish this wasn't the truth, Chris. I asked all these questions myself. No one knows what to do. There are no answers to our problems right now. I feel cold, Christian said. Jenner nodded at a loss for words. He put a hand on Christian's shoulder for comfort. Christian closed his eyes tight. He could feel tears at the seams of his eyes, but nothing came. He blinked a few times, a single drop rolling down his left cheek. What do we do? It was Christian who asked the question, to which Jenner could only reply, What do you want to do? He offered to help them in any way he could. He gave them as many possibilities as he could think of. They were welcome to stay at his house for as long as they wanted. He would get them jobs here or send them to whoever's care they wanted. Jenner learned that Christian's dad's parents were dead, and he knew his mom's parents lived somewhere in Arcturus. Did he want to help them with the funeral arrangements for his father? Did he want to go to see his mother? Did he want to go to the house? What did he want to do about the house? Christian listened, sitting there, holding blackened sky in his hands. And when he finally thought about it, he knew what he wanted. You said you will do anything to help. Anything I need? Anything that's within my power, I will help you as best I can, Chris, Jenner said, glad to hear him speak. I want to find who is responsible for this and make sure they can never do it again. Jenner had no quip or witty response to that. I want the people responsible for this in jail, and I want to help put them there. The people who torched the rat and hurt mine and our parents, he added, looking at Erica. That is what I want. Jenner took pause, standing, rubbing his hands against his shoulders. It was not the last thing he expected to hear, but it was not the first either. Done. Jenner held back his inner smile, knowing the full seriousness of the situation, but this was something he could help with. Done, but there's much to do first. You should go down to the watch, say your farewells and your prayers, and tie up loose ends there. Christian nodded, his eyes red, but nodding all the same. At that moment, Mrs. Fensworth knocked and entered, asking if anyone would care to have a little hot cider and a light lunch in the kitchen. Erica was the first to rise, glass-eyed and blank-faced, turning and leaving without a noise. She pushed past Mrs. Fensworth and took a turn for the hallway and the bedroom. "'My word, child, wait a minute,' Miss Fensworth said, making after Erica. Christian got up to follow suit, worried he had scared his friend. Jenner let out a sigh, rubbing his hands together. It was cold. He turned and walked over to the fireplace. What the devil? The fire was not burning. The logs had stopped glowing, and the ashes seemed to be quite settled. He bent down and ran his fingers over the logs, but there was not even a hint of warmth. Perplexed, he touched a log, tapping it at first, but then resting his hand on the log, growing bewildered. It felt like stone. Christian returned to the bedroom to see Erica staring out the window, looking at the city. 
She looked as exhausted as she did earlier, the expression on her face the same. He moved to the desk, picking again at the plate of food, eating grapes one at a time. Did you mean what you said? Erica said after a time. Yes, Christian replied, setting the vine of grapes down, looking at Erica. She was still looking, at, looking outside. Why? Why not? We should leave. We should go somewhere else. Somewhere far from here. With what? We have nothing. Your family is dead. My father is dead. From what Jenner said, my mother might as well be dead. I've never met my mother's family. I do not know what they look like. All I know is a nation. A nation, Erica. Do you have any idea how big that is? Imagine the city ten times over, and there are dozens of them. And then imagine spaces many more times over, filled with nothing but wilderness separating those huge cities. We could search all our lives and never find anything. And we have nothing with which to search them out. We'll ask Jenner for money, Erica said, turning from the window, looking at Christian for the first time. He said he'd do whatever you want. Ask for money. Enough for us to go live somewhere else. Somewhere not here. I am barely an adult, Erica. You are 13. Where could we go where the first thug or criminal would not kill us or worse and just take our money? But the people who killed your parents aren't going to try to kill us? No, yes, of course, but Jenner will be there. He said he would help. He can help. I cannot ask him to move away from here and live with us and search for my family. That could take the rest of our lives. Christian walked over to the window to stand next to Erica. If we stay here, we can do something and put an end to it. We will not have to run. Christian balled his hands into fists, leaning on the windowsill. Erica, my father ran the watch. They will help. They just want to see justice the same as me. Comment is only so big. With the watch at our side and Jenner's resources, it'll be possible. Chris, I'm scared. I don't think it's a good idea. Please, let's leave. Erica, I already said... Erica, you can stay here. Or I'm sure Jenner knows somewhere you can go stay while I take care of this. You'd send me away? She said, starting to cry. Chris, don't you leave too? She leaned into Christian, looking up at him, tears running down her cheeks. They killed my parents, Christian. I went to stay with you, and they killed your parents. And then we went to Jenner's theater, and they burned it to the ground. Erica, no, what? Yes, Chris. Erica rested her forehead against Christian, leaning into him for support. She cried for a little bit, and Christian held her, his mind whirling. Did she really think this was her fault? Is that it? Has she been carrying this inside her the whole time? Erica, I think... I'm different, she interrupted. Huh? I... I can do things. I, I can't explain it. Just things. Things just happen. She let go of Christian, slumping into a chair by the window, letting her head sink into her hands. One time when I was five, I was playing with some kids, and one of them started throwing rocks at another boy. And it hurt me. It made me sad, and I wanted to just play. But they ignored me. 
and I sat down and cried. And the next thing I knew, I heard the kid throwing rocks let out a cry and run. I looked up, and there was a pile of mud where the rocks had been. What are you saying? I don't know. Just listen. Just listen. The night my house burnt down, three men came into my room. I woke up and felt a hand over my mouth. I was being picked up. I opened my eyes and saw the fire. And all I could think of was I didn't want to die in a fire, and that I couldn't move. I panicked and I thrashed, and then I was falling and soaking wet. There was water in my mouth and I felt soaked to the bone. And then my head hurt and I woke up and I was at your house. At the play, when the place was burning and we were on the balcony, I, I just wanted to be anywhere else. I was leaning back against the railing and then there was nothing. I felt dust between my fingers where the railing was a moment ago, and I was falling. I think I did it a moment ago in Jenner's room. I was sitting there, thinking about our parents, looking at the fire, and I never wanted to have to see another fire. And it went out. So that's why. That's why I want to leave. Anyone around me is in danger, but please, Chris, can't. I can't do this alone. I'm scared. You're right. I can't go anywhere on my own. I don't want to end up in an orphanage. Please, let's just run away. Christian did not know what to say. He was trying to process everything he had just heard. What do you say to something like that? It was true, though. He still felt like his idea was the right course of action. Erica, listen. If what you say is true, and I have no reason to believe you are lying, then running will not do any good. People are dead. You think people willing to kill and murder and destroy will not think to follow us wherever we go? Chris, were you even listening? Erica said, shaking her head. Your sister is alive. Erica's eyes shot up, looking at Christian with doubt. Chris, don't even joke, she stuttered. It is not a joke. That day, the day after the fire and I burst into the house all excited. I cannot prove it, but I believe it. The body in the fire was not your sister. Erica started to blanch, looking sick but Christian pressed on. The bones were not even burned, Erica, and some were missing. I checked with the watch. The physician told me it was not a complete skeleton. Parts were missing. They said they would not have even checked if I hadn't said something. Wait, you knew? she asked, more concerned than mad. Erica, we had nothing to go off of. We did not even have a reason to think she had been kidnapped. But think about what you told me. It makes sense. If someone knows that you can do things, maybe they think your sister can do the same things. What if the people who killed our parents have your sister, and she is alive and they plan to use her powers? Or what if she does not have any? What if after a few years, when nothing happens to her, do you think they will just give her back? They might kill her, or worse. You swear, you swear she's alive? Erica asked. I swear I think she is alive, yes, Christian said, looking at her. But, oh, Annika, Chris, I... Her voice trailed off. She slumped forward, passing out. Christian caught her, cradling, cradling her in his arms and carrying her over to the bed. What should he do? He knew in his heart that he was committed to finding the people responsible for this, regardless of the outcome.
Involving Erica had not been in his original plan, but it still seemed dangerous to include her. But how could he not? She would be safer with them than if you sent her away somewhere to wait it out. Decisions, decisions. They all did not need to be made this minute, Christian decided. Walking over and picking up the food tray and setting it on the nightstand next to the bed. He still had to say goodbye to his father and visit his mother. He let himself out of the room and sat down against the door in the hallway. He was not sure how long he sat there. But it was Jenner's voice, not his footsteps, that roused him from his reverie. I've done some of my best thinking on the floor, he said, coming up short of Christian, standing near him. I want to go see my parents, he responded. Of course, where's Erica? I assume she wants to see them too. And she will, but I want to go by myself first. Very well. I have business in that direction anyway. I can drop you off on the way. Thank you, Jenner. No problem at all. Jenner, one more thing. Can you have one of the girls wait in the room with Erica until she wakes up? I, I don't want her to think I ran off. Make sure she knows where I went. Of course, say no more, Jenner said, helping Christian to his feet. Now, let us be off. And with that, he put his arm on Christian's shoulder and accompanied him to the stables. Hello, and thank you for listening to the World of Grey podcast. For any questions about the podcast or the books in general, email me at podcast at josephporthos.com. My two books, Fallen Throne and Dark Halo, are available for download on the Amazon Kindle store for the low price of $3 a piece. I don't output a ton of updates, but when I do release one, you can find it on Facebook at Joseph Porthos, or on my website located at josephporthos.com. I hope you enjoyed today's chapter, and I look forward to you tuning in again next time. This is Joseph Porthos, signing off.